This is Canada's own Toronto Today right here on TSN 1050. And man, my Matthew Cause, Lourdes Guriel Jr., it gets you. It gets you. But Tristan Fitzpatrick, what stinks for you is that you do the update and that's it. At least we turn my mistakes into content. You just got to keep moving on. I know. And th- that was my last update of the day. Oh. And I, I, that's why I, yeah, I was so mad at myself because I've done it all morning and the last one I screwed up. Oh, God. That, uh, I'm telling you, that name gets you. It got me earlier, at least once, maybe twice. Join us now. And he texted into the show basically to yell at me. It is Sports Center host. And uh, sometimes you hear him gas bagging on TSN 1050. It is Mark Rowe. How you doing, buddy? Oh, hey, Matt. Uh, long-time listener, sometimes uh, talker on the radio station. First-time yeah. caller for, uh, what is this show called? It's Toronto Today. Toronto Today, right. I knew that. Yeah, you know how much we it's love... It's almost Leaf Lunch. Yeah, we, 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 you know how much we love alliterations. Toronto Today, <laughs> filling in for Leaf's Lunch. Awesome stuff. Listen, okay, the reason why I'm calling in is not necessarily because you mispronounced Lourdes Guriel Jr.'s name. Which I have. That's, kind of, that's your charm, right? Like yeah. that, that's... Eventually, they'll just start calling them whatever you call them. That'd be great. I'm disappointed in you. Hmm. You used to work behind the scenes. Yeah. And how dare you throw your producer under the bus? Joe Narsa, I think the last time he had a day off was 2016, okay? You got to let the diehard thing go. It's a B-plus action movie at best. This is not The Godfather. This is not Apocalypse Now. When I was doing English literature at Ryerson, a school you're very familiar with, Uh we weren't reading Die Hard. We were reading Heart of Darkness. We were reading reading Goldfinger, the James Bond movie. Okay? This is not a classic, okay? First off, that he doesn't know about Hans Gruber. I get it. It's a pretty good movie. But you got to let it go, buddy. And Joe Narsa is probably saving you throughout this show. So let's give him some credit for once. Uh, Joe Narsa, how many guests did you book today? One, he's on right now. Um, how, how much sound did I cut as the, the host? How much sound did I cut today? Most of it, and, and we played it. And how much sound oh, wow. did I organize for the show for today? 75% of it, but I put it in order after that. You did. So, uh, Mark Rowe, no. Joe Narsa has not saved me. I love Joe wow. Narsa, but uh, a couple things. First... I, to- I take back to everything I just said. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Matty. <laughs> He would um, never do that for Leafs lines. Andy would kill him. Yeah, for a couple things. First, uh, when you say English literature at Ryerson, that does not help your cause. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> um, second, B plus. What's what action movie is better than Die Hard? I would put Terminator ahead of uh, Die Hard. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what else would be at A, but. I don't know. I, B plus, it, it, I, I think you need to reconsider B+. Plus. Listen, if you want to make an argument for either Terminator 1 or 2 ahead of Die Hard, I'll be there for that conversation. I'll even throw in Predator and a couple other movies. Yeah, My first one sure. is going to be Die Hard, A, because it's a delightful Christmas movie, B, because I think Hans Gruber is a better villain than in a lot of those other ones, Sense of Isolation. Uh, it's, you know, it's it's him on his own versus the world. It is a classic. Um, I, I, will, I will give you that Alan Rickman is a better actor than pretty much all the movies we just listed. Yeah. But I just don't understand the obsession with people with whether it's a Christmas movie or not. And someone like Joe Narsa, who hasn't seen the movie and gave a Wikipedia at best synopsis of the movie. Like there, there's just so much fury. Maybe I just, I'm, I'm more curious than anything. I just don't get it. Like I, I can understand if someone was like, yeah, the Godfather, uh, I don't know, a bunch of Italians shot each other. It's like, it's a Godfather. It's not an action movie. Godfather's not an action movie. 
No, I know. I just mean movies in general. Yeah. Um, moving on to other names, I screwed up. One of them I didn't even attempt because I'm a coward, and he, he pitched on Sunday. Uh, it was a, a dream come true, pitching in his hometown of Chicago against as a J against the White Sox, and it's Ryan Baraki. Did, did I say that right? Yeah. Oh. Wow. Maddie. All right. All right. You changed. All right. No, I didn't. Give it three more minutes. Okay. And we both know. Uh, Mark Rose, join us online. All right, Mark, do you want to do one actual piece of sports conversation? Yeah, Just because we, we got you on the line. Um, okay. I'm going to play you uh, Milan Lucic, who uh, it's a rarity here where you have athlete on athlete crime. Here's uh, Milan Lucic commenting on DeMar DeRozan and uh, just DeMar DeRozan earlier. You remember DeRozan complaining, saying that the team disrespected him. Here was Lucic's thoughts on DeMar. Going back to the DeRozan thing, when I hear him talk about like the bitterness and the, and the disrespect and all that type of stuff, it's like you didn't get traded to freaking Cleveland. You got traded to San Antonio that's a team that competes for a title every single year. Like, and you get to be coached by the Bill Belichick of basketball with Greg Popovich. And, and now you're being, feel like you're being disrespected. Like, come on, man, you're still making $30 million a year living in San Antonio with no state tax. Like, give me a break, man. Nobody feels bad for you. Like, off. <laughs> now, first, <laughs> I mean, he nailed the, let, let's face it. He nailed the landing. You know, yeah, you're, say. you're someone who's covered the landing. Yeah, you've nine point eight. <laughs> yeah, you've covered uh, you you've covered Olympics. You've you've explained the difference between figure skating and figure dancing. So he uh, he uh, ice dancing. He nailed the, uh, the the landing there. When I hear that clip, my first thought is, and I was going to ask you this because you you cover hockey a lot. You know, uh, certainly filling in all the time and doing stuff on that's hockey. Do you how, how many? Hockey players, do you think, have a little bit of just jealousy or uh, resentment about the fact that they make so much less than NBA players? Oh, I, th- I think it's, it would be human nature, right? Yeah. Like, um, not that I would I want to call either one of us jealous, but look at whoever does our job in the United States. Yeah. Right? Like, much bigger market, bigger business, more broadcasters who make well over a million dollars, and that that's a rarity in Canada. Um, I, you know, I, I'd be interested to hear if he would say that about another hockey player who was complaining about being traded. You know, like like let's, Taylor Hall was pretty open about how much he was upset that the Edmonton Oilers kind of cut bait with him and sent him to New Jersey. Um, you know, I didn't hear too many hockey players that were ripping him, but because it's a different sport, I guess it's different. And again, as you point out, the money is an issue as well. You know, and, and there are some arguments there that I'm I'm with them on it. Like, listen, yeah, you're not getting traded to Cleveland as LeBron is leaving. Um, you're not getting traded to this, you know, horrible franchise that's never had any kind of success and a coach that's, you know, in his first year. The, the only question, and we'll always be asking this because we'll never really know, what exactly did Masai tell him in Vegas? You know, how much did he promise him that he was staying here and don't worry about it? Now, as a professional athlete, I think you always have to know that there's at least a 1% chance you're getting traded, but we still don't really know how that conversation went. And that that's, I guess, the one mistake that Masai was alluding to when he did his, his press conference. But, yeah, well, I liked it. We, we, can't, we, can't, we can't rip on Lucic for saying these things when all year we're talking about that we need more, you know, colorful you know, discussion from players. I thought it was it was pretty entertaining. Oh, it, it was entertaining. And what it just got me to, though, was the idea of if I'm a hockey player, and listen, 
Uh, hockey is a more physical, it's a more violent game. There's more concussions in hockey sure. than there is basketball. It's not that basketball isn't physical. And for anyone out there that goes, ah, basketball, just a bunch of guys wrapping down, taking shots. No, no, no. It's incredibly physical. Go sit close to a game and see it up close. But if I'm a hockey player, I get the idea of that, of just that sort of jealousy or resentment. It's like, how are you guys making four or five times more you know, than I am? I mean, Connor McDavid makes $12 million a year or $2 million more than Norm Powell. So when I heard that clip by Lucic, my first thought was, wow, this guy sounds that he is just resentful about the salary discrepancy in the two sports. Well, I just look at the, the sort of status of the four major leagues. And, you know, baseball and basketball – Compared to the other two, less physical, less of an opportunity to have a really serious injury on the field of play, and they make the most guaranteed money. Yeah, you know the the NFL is big of a business as you know we've talked about this a million times. Unless you're Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, you might sign a big contract, but that might might not even be guaranteed. And so many guys, you know, last a season or two, and that's it. And they're literally putting the the live you know their livelihood on the line. You know, in hockey. I would say it's a step below that where it's not, um, you know, and we debate all day about which sport is more dangerous, but you're making less money in the NHL than you are in the other three sports. So uh, I-, I can get the total of the frustration as a professional athlete, what you put your body through just to make a million dollars, which is, which is even you know, huge in the NFL, despite the fact that they make billions of dollars. Hey, Mark, thank you so much. Is there anything else? Because you sent those texts in to Joe. Is, uh, is, do you have any other commentary about uh, words I may have screwed up on? Aroldis Chapman, I think I got that one down now, but we'll see because the day is young and I still have nearly an hour left on radio. Well, I'm, the, the beauty of the radio station, they'll mm. look for it and they'll play it a thousand times if you got it wrong. I've been, uh, I've been on the other end of that. So uh, hey. thanks, guys. And Maddie, I love you, buddy. Love you too, buddy. You take care. All right, see ya. See ya. And I think Mark Rowe, and one of the keys to doing this job is to, to get the final word when he's not here. I think if Mark was really thinking about it, he'd give Die Hard higher than a B plus. There's maybe four or five action movies, if you want to present out there to me, that you say is better than Die Hard, I'll listen to it. You know, there's some that maybe I could see being equal or just a little bit below. I have Die Hard at number one. And again, Bruce Willis from the Comedy Roast last night of Yourself, Sir. Die Hard is indeed an action movie. Um, Mark talked a little bit about just guaranteed money and about how baseball and basketball sports that are less violent have more guaranteed money than hockey or football. And I want to get into that next because it's that sort of dynamic where I fully understand why players would get bitter by that. Football players and hockey players. And I fully get why agents are going to come out and defend their player and demand more guaranteed demand guaranteed money and to make that more of the norm. You know, we we saw that with Kirk Cousins when he signed the deal with the Vikings. That's the first one where every dime of that money is guaranteed. Now, part of it's different because quarterback close to thirty, ultra productive, now a free agent. You rarely have that. You rarely have that. I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, or before we go, Aaron Rodgers shows you why it is so much easier to be a general manager in the NFL than it is in any other sport. Because Aaron Rodgers signed his contract in 2013. He made average $22 million per year. That's a lot of money. 
But now we've seen guys, Kirk Cousins, where that bar is getting closer to $30 million a year. Green Bay opened up training camp without Rodgers receiving an adjustment to a contract that is two years remaining on it. And Rodgers said, I think they've talked about it enough that there's an expectation that something would have been done. Obviously, judging by the questions here, there's an expectation something should have been done before we started training camp. Basically, he's saying, what the hell, guys? Why haven't we got it done? And if you're Aaron Rodgers, you got to look around and go, wait a minute. The hardest thing to have in football is a great quarterback. I've been the best quarterback in this league for a decade. We've been to only one Super Bowl. Now, we won it, but we've only been to one. The organization has not put the talent around him. Imagine that is in the NBA. How different would it be? Imagine in the NBA, you've got a player who's thought of as the best at their position and arguably the best in the league. Then put on top of that, they're not getting paid as much as guys around them, and the team isn't trying to you know, change the contract to reflect the value of the player. Then throw on top of that, management has done such a bad job of not putting enough talent around this player to help them win. When that happens in the NBA, those guys leave. Kyrie Irving put pressure on the Cavs, had a couple of years left on his deal, traded to Boston for 10 cents on the dollar. Kawhi Leonard put pressure on the San Antonio Spurs, traded to the Raptors, and the Raptors didn't have to give up a high draft pick. They did have to give up DeWide Rose, and that is big. But not only they didn't have to give up OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam. At least for next year, Toronto wins that deal. But go to the NFL, where when the conversation came to, oh, Aaron, would you do anything? Would you try to shake things up? Would you hold out? Rodgers, quote, I don't operate that way. Aaron Rodgers has all the leverage in the world if he wants to use it. He could hold out. He's the most important thing in that state, even more important than Giannis. And he doesn't. My God, is that so much easier. The equivalent of Aaron Rodgers in the NBA, if he was treated that way, and was not given enough players around him, that player leaves. But in football, at the quarterback position, at the quarterback position, that player almost never leaves. So much easier to be a GM in football than it is in other sports. Coming up on the other side, we're going to talk about this agent for Earl Thomas of the Seattle Seahawks, the safety. And Earl Thomas is holding out. He wants a new contract, even though he's very early into this contract. Fans are upset. And this agent took a bit of a swipe at NFL fans. And I want to talk about the hypocrisy of being a sports fan. And I want to talk about how disingenuous this agent sounds. It's a really sort of interesting thing going on between agent and fan. We'll get into that next right here on TSN 1050. You're listening to Toronto Today. What came through the pipelines during the commercial break? The Topic Fairy came and joined TSN 1050 and has brought us here on Toronto Today. I'm Matthew Cause. A little bit of sound. And that sound from William Nylander and his contract negotiations. And I've said this before, and I'm going to yell and scream about this. Um, The Kawhi Leonard, the biggest, to me the biggest story for this summer is going to be the wooing of Kawhi Leonard. Will we ever hear him talk? 
You know, that, that, that is the biggest story. Or at the very least, no, let me take that back. It's the most intriguing story because it's never been around here before. But maybe the most important story for you Toronto sports fans is the contracts of Nylander, Matthews, and Marner. Well, William Nylander, someone threw a mic at him uh, just earlier today, and we just got the sound. Here is William Nylander and his ongoing contract negotiations. It's going uh, with Kyle. I mean, he wants to take it slow, so I mean, can ask uh, ask Kyle. Yeah. That's between uh, my agent and uh, Kyle. I mean, they're talking about it, so uh, I, I'm not really into that right now. I mean, once it gets closer to the season, I think I'll be uh, more dialed. I mean, it's gonna. Kyle says it's gonna take some time, so I'm not too stressed about it. Okay, good. First, I don't want you stressed, William. Okay, there, Billy. Just relax. Kyle wants to take it slow. Fine, that makes sense. Don't want to rush into anything. Look at all the numbers. Look at all the facts. Get all the comparables. Figure it out. Here's my message to Kyle Dubas. Don't do the bridge deal. Now, I get it. I get it. Let's, let's sign him. Just you know, give him $4 million or whatever for the next year or two. Just give him the bridge deal until eventually becomes an unrestricted free agent, and then we'll give him the big money. We gotta be we gotta be flexible. Matthews is there. Marner is there. We gotta sign them. <gasps> defense. Gotta go after a defenseman. We need to be more flexible. And I get it. Financial flexibility is the cornerstone to winning in a salary cap league. But the cap will go up. There'll be expansion at least one more time. But if you believe, and I do, that great things are ahead for the Maple Leafs, you want to lock all these guys down now. Get the eight-year deal with Nylander. And even if it's Pasternak money, I know a lot of you are going to be unhappy by that because you remember Pasternak scoring, I think, 18 points in one playoff game, which may or may not be a record. You remember what he did with the Bruins against the Leafs in the playoffs. And you saw that Nylander was a little bit up and down, especially in the playoffs. I get it. But Nylander has yet to hit his peak. And peaks are a lot younger than you think. He's 22 years old, going into technically his fourth season. He only played 22 games in his rookie year back in 2015. But right now he's a 60-point guy. What happens when he hits his peak? What happens when, again, he's playing... 82 games on a line with either Tavares or with Matthews. What happens when his time on ice is not 16 minutes and 41 seconds, but is 18 minutes and 20 seconds, just a couple extra minutes a game? His numbers are going to rise. I know there are times he's an imperfect player. Most players have their warts. Yes, he needs to be a little bit better defensively. I know that. We all know that. Yes, and sometimes you want him to be more engaged. But he is such an incredibly gifted player. There are not a lot of them out there. He's 22 years old. Remember the remember two years ago, Austin Matthews, four goals his opening night. You know who was rookie of the month? It was Nylander. You know who was rookie of the month to end that magical year two years ago? It was Nylander. 20 goals his last two, 22 goals, 20 goals last year, 22 the year before that, 41 assists. Durable, 
with tons of upside. The moment the Maple Leafs signed Tavares, that was them saying, we can win the Cup this year. And that was them doubling down on skill and talent. What's going to happen next year? Matthews' numbers, Marner, Nylander, all their numbers most likely will go up. It's not 100%. I know that. Guys get hurt. Sometimes there can be a regression. But these are young, talented players. If I'm the Maple Leafs, it is a simple message. Do not bridge. I mean, barring Nylander's camp asking for just astronomical amounts of money, then don't. Because again, the Maple Leafs, you hold the leverage. What if Nylander gets hurt? And you sign him that bridge deal. And he's scuffling a little bit. Well, then it gives you more leverage to not have to sign him for as much money. But I look at this team, I look at this roster, I look at this coaching staff, and what it screams to me is a massive amount of talent that is only going to get better, and numbers are only going to get better, and minutes are going to go up, and production is going to go up. If it's close, my message to Kyle Dubas, if it's close between the bridge deal and a long-term deal, and you're wondering which one is better, go long-term. Tampa, you know, they did that with Kucherov, and they got a hell of a deal. And then they just signed him to an eight-year deal worth close to $9.5 million per season. If I'm the Maple Leafs, that is what I do. So once again, I mean, what's actually being said by Nylander is nothing that, you know, it's, it's nothing that earth-shattering. Listen, a deal's got to get done, and it will. And it's going slow right now. And you can tell that he doesn't actually want to talk about it. It's like, nope, that's between the agent and Kyle. Going slow. It'll get done. You know. Now, if we're into training camp and there isn't a deal done, now we have a different conversation. Coming up on the other side, why a certain NFL agent... We're going to talk about this agent who's absolutely ridiculous. Actually, you know what? We'll get into it. Uh, we'll get into it a little bit now because it sort of goes with this conversation, just about paying guys. And producer Joe, if I could get you on the mic for a second, here's the most important thing I'm going to need from you today. How does Earl Thomas, the safety for the Seattle Seahawks, how does he pronounce his last name? Thomas. How does the agent pronounce his last name, Joe? David. Oh, Mulagata. Mulagata. You didn't sound very confident in that, did you? I've never heard him say his last name. I'm just trying to phonetically pronounce it. Yeah, that's what I do every day on this this show, and I usually do it poorly. All right, so here's the story for people that don't know, is that Earl Thomas is holding out from the team's mandatory training camp because he's unhappy with his contract. He is entering the final year of his deal. It's going to pay him... $10 million. That puts them near the top. There is only about five safeties that make more than him. In terms of the average that's guaranteed per year, it's only three and a half. So there's lots of guys above him and below him who make have more guaranteed money coming. And I'm sure a lot that's where a lot of where Earl Thomas is upset about. But this is the final year of his deal, and Seattle has said nope. We are not readdressing this situation. So his agent, David, 
came out over the weekend and tweeted this. The fact that NFL fans side with teams worth billions instead of players that put their bodies on the line day in and day out never ceases to amaze me. Teams can cut players anytime, but players are expected to honor contracts. Capitalism is obviously reserved for certain people. Now, I got some problems with this. This is agent talk. I get it. And this is posturing. This is what agents do. But this is an intellectually dishonest tweet, and this is a a disingenuous accusation. Fans do not root for owners. Fans root for teams. But specifically, you know what fans root for? They root for themselves. Everyone listening, you root for yourself. I, I root for myself. There is a bit of a sports selfishness. There's a sports hypocrisy here. We want our players to take less money, but we don't want to take less money in our job if the option is we can make more. But sports is different than real life. And what fans want, they want their sports happy to be satiated. Fans want the player on the field because if the player's on the field or in training camp, technically it means their team has a better chance of winning. Fans don't care about owners. They don't care if owners save money or lose money. What fans care about is winning and losing. What this agent is doing by mentioning capitalism, he's turning this into a class conversation. He's turning this into haves or have-nots. And what he's trying to do is make players out to be victims. He, and, and by the way, in some ways, players are victims, especially in the NFL, where you can get cut easily, it's not guaranteed money, and it is a very violent and dangerous sport. My heart goes out to the players. But on this specific issue, this agent is wrong. Yes, it is hypocritical um, you know, that, that so much of this is about our self-interest. But don't turn this into fans choosing the owner over the worker. Okay, The fan just wants to see his or her team win. That's what this comes down to. What do you think all this conversation is with the Maple Leafs, with Nylander, Marner, and Matthews? What are fans rooting for? They're rooting for Matthews, Marner, and Nylander to take less money. They're not doing that because they're rooting for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. I guarantee you, no fan has a giant bobblehead of Larry Tannenbaum in their house. They're not sitting there high-fiving each other when Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, when the stock goes up by half a percent. The reason they want Matthews, Marner, and Nylander to technically get underpaid, to get less money than what their value dictates, is it helps the Leafs win. Salary cap sport. Think about you, everyone listening right now. If you're driving, podcast, whatever, how excited you will be if you find out, whoa, Austin Matthews only took $10 million? <gasps> Marner, you got him for 6.9? Wait a minute, Nylander? Eight years at $6.1 million? You're going to be excited. Why? Financial flexibility. <gasps> we have all this money for the team to play with. That's what fans are rooting for. They're not rooting for the owner. So to Earl Thomas's agent... Beat it with capitalism. Beat it with trying to make it so that your player is a victim here, that the fans are rooting for the owners. 
Fans are rooting for themselves. I'm rooting for myself. I want my team to win. Now, you, as a fan, we can be both things. You can be both greedy with your own self-interest with sports and still have empathy. You know, I feel bad for DeMar DeRozan, and I can put aside the $30 million because I feel bad for him as a human. For football players, man, I want them to make as much as they can because their careers are going to be short. And I want to make sure that every team, I'm looking at you, Ottawa Senators, spends to the cap. Shame on any team that doesn't. I want the Raptors to go in to and pay the, 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 uh, the luxury tax. I don't care about the owners. I care about me. I want my team to win. But the other side, <laughs> we all are rooting for our favorite players to be underpaid. So if you want, you can actually make this about owner versus player, which is what the agent's doing. When the fan cheers for a player getting underpaid, yeah, you can say, oh, that fan is cheering for the owner and is rooting against the player. That's simplistic and that is disingenuous. The fan is rooting for themselves. It's as simple as that. So I don't want to, like, and you're going to see these conversations. It's all, all that's going on here is this is a media play. This is a PR. It's a PR move. It's about trying to get the fan base to be on the player's side. Well, here's the thing. If Earl Thomas is healthy, if Earl Thomas still has another year left in his contract, and if Earl Thomas represents something that can help Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks win games, then I'm sorry, agent, you will not get the the fans to side with Earl Thomas. They pay for the tickets. They buy the jerseys. They want to watch their team. They want to be entertained. You know how you get entertained? You win. They're not going to be rooting for him to hold out. They can cheer for him to get paid as much as he can and at the same time want him to show up. Wait for the next deal. You got one year left. All right. I think I'm done with my uh, I think I'm done with that rant. Coming up on the other side, we will play you Kyle Lowry and it's Kyle Lowry sounding like Pete Kyle Lowry being asked about have you talked to Kawhi Leonard? It's really funny. You're going to want to stick around for that. Plus, explosive words from Bruce Willis and producer Joe Narsa with the most simplistic explanation about one of the greatest movies ever produced and what it's about. That's all coming up on TSN 1050. You're listening to Toronto Today. You're going to want to stick around after I'm done. This is Matthew Cause. Oh, I think I just did mean the third person. I didn't mean to do that. Hi, everyone. I'm Matthew Cuz. This is TSN 1050. This is Toronto Today. I'll be here all week. Coming up, it is the Scott MacArthur Show. Andy McNamara is filling in, I believe, all week. And some interesting conversations. Josh Lewenberg is going jo- to drop by to talk about the Kyle Lowry no comment in Vegas. Chris Schultz to talk CFL and NFL storylines. Also... Uh, June Lee, who is a writer for the for Bleacher Report, wrote a very detailed feature on Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo, the new quarterback for the 49ers. I shouldn't say new. He got a brand new spanking contract. But he is the face of the franchise. Um, a lot to talk about with him. And it's not just about... It's not just about dating older porn stars. It's about being the face of the franchise. It's about what did you learn from New England, from Belichick and Brady. 
And there was some reporter talking to Jimmy G and saying, so did you think that you were better than Brady? And it just kept pestering him to try to make a comment. He either say, yes, I felt I was better than Tom Brady. And if you do that, then it's like, oh, look at the arrogant young athlete. Or if he says no, then it's like, oh, look at him. No confidence at all. The quarterback, the CEO, the team, the leader. Come on. So that is coming up after this show is done. One to four. Scott MacArthur's show right here on TSN 1050 with Andy McNamara. Um, Speaking of Kyle Lowry, here is the leader of the Toronto Raptors, the point guard. Kyle Lowry in Vegas for Team USA. Conversation. It's not really a conversation. A little back and forth with the Toronto Stars Day Fest, Chuck. Just about, hey, Kyle, have you... Have you spoken to Kawhi? Have you spoken to him since, since the deal with Ron Mishnah? Uh, probably talk. I did, yeah, I think so. I don't know. Kawhi? I don't know. You don't know if you spoke to him? No. What do you mean? I don't know if I've spoken to him. Are you not sure? You no, I'm not sure. No. Uh, he's not here, so I haven't spoken to him. On the phone, I mean? I haven't spoken to him, no. You haven't spoken to him? No. Okay. People could read you not want to talk about the trade as though you're not happy with the trade. Would that be inaccurate? <laughs> USAB is good fun, man. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> What's that? Good one. Now, can we get, Steve, can we get the last couple seconds of that? The last part where Feschuk basically says, okay... The fact that you're not talking about this, does this mean you're happy? Do you unhappy with the Kawhi Leonard deal? Because that's really what we all want to know. I mean, here is the order of things. First it was, oh, the trade is happening. Okay, check. Then it was, um, what is the health of Kawhi Leonard? Then it's, how does DeMar DeRozan feel about it? The fourth and final one, of course, is going to be Kyle Lowry. He's the face of the franchise now. He's the leader. He is he's the last he's the most important guy from this core of a team that averaged 52 wins for 5 years. And let's face it, Kyle Lowry is a guy that in the past has been a little bit prickly. Uh he can be a little bit moody and that's fine. But because of that, everyone's curious. Kawhi, how do you feel about the deal? How do you feel about no longer having DeMar DeRozan, who is a close friend? You guys you know, have grown so much closer together and grown as players and people over the last five years. How do you feel about the fact that you now have what represents, at least for one year, an incredibly significant update? How does that make you feel? So, of course, we're going to want to know. And have you talked to Kawhi? What? Yeah, no, maybe so. No, what? I don't know what you're talking about. And then here was the final part where, again, Dave Feschuk, all he's trying to do is try to elicit answers from Kawhi Leonard that any Raptor fan wants to know about. You could read you not want to talk about the trade as though you're not happy with the trade. Would that be inaccurate? <laughs> USAB is good fun, man. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> What's that? Good one. We just want to know, are you happy or unhappy? Now, that question, and Dave knew what he was doing. That question comes with its own particular pitfalls. Kyle Lowry, yeah, I'm happy about this deal. Oh, so you're stabbing DeRozan in the back, you hate him, you're a bad teammate. Kyle Lowry, no, I'm not happy with uh, this deal. Oh, Kyle Lowry, good for you for sticking up uh, for your buddy, but you are unhappy with the franchise, where it's going, Masai Ujiri, and you don't like Kawhi Leonard. So it is a... It is a no-win proposition for Kyle Lowry. 
Yeah, part of his answer. Again, it's it's really for whoever is listening to it. It's however you want to take it. Somewhere between playful, petulant, childish, Lowry being Lowry. This is normal for him. However you want to take that clip, that's fine. Somewhere within there is the truth about Kyle Lowry. And again, this story is not going away. It'll be asked again. At some point, I know it's going to be difficult to because Popovich Popovich doesn't, uh, doesn't answer anything. And speaking of that, for anyone who gets upset by how Lowry handled it, I hope you have the same level of vitriol about Belichick, who is far, far more rude, just as a human being to other human beings. We're on a Seattle. We're on a Seattle. Won't answer anything. Same thing with Greg Popovich. I mean, we can get angry all we want at these players, but man, when it comes to subterfuge, when it comes to not giving the fans anything, when it comes to just being rude to the athlete, to the uh, to the people in the media, pff, coaches they dominate in that category over players any day. Never really got a chance to talk too much about the Toronto Argonauts, and for people who don't know. The Argonauts have made a change at quarterback. McLeod Bethel Thompson, which, yeah, I know, it sounds like a law firm. Hi there. If you've been involved in an injury, contact McLeod Bethel and Thompson. They'll get you the money you deserve. He will be starting this coming week for the Argonauts. James Franklin has been benched, and not really a surprise. We've seen flashes, some great flashes from Franklin, but in cases we see yardage, but we don't see touchdowns. We see the Argonauts not scoring. 14 points last week against Winnipeg. 20 the week before. Only one win on the season. And in back-to-back games, the Argonauts lose by 18. The Argonauts lose by 26 points. I get the reason why you got to make a change. And right now, they're bad. Flat out. Three interceptions, sacked four times in that 40-17 to loss on Friday night. And you could sort of tell it was going to be a bad game. Early on, not getting the calls, some bogus calls against the Argonauts by Winnipeg. I flipped over to a movie, had the game on PVR. I'm like, okay, I coward watched the game. I'll go back to it, but I'm going to need, I'm going to need some good news. I was like, I, I, I tweeted Mike Hogan, like, give me something good, Hoagie. Unless you do, I'm going to stick with this movie. But ex- that'll be uh, coming up this week. The first game for Week 8, Toronto at home against Ottawa. A 7 p.m. start at BMO. Go check it out. Uh, looking Thursday is oh, Thursday's going to be gorgeous. Just saw it in CP2 for 28 degrees. Go check out the Toronto Argonauts against a pretty good Ottawa team. When they don't play Calgary, they usually look pretty good. Also, a reminder about Lease Busters. And man, right now my girlfriend is looking for her and her twin are looking for new cars. So this stuff means a lot. Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's easy as pie, a piece of cake. Hell, it's easy as cake, it's a piece of pie. That's how good Lease Busters is. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com for more information. By the way, does anyone know? Go behind the glass. Why is it easy? Why is it easy as pie and a piece of cake? Where did that come from? 
I don't know, because every time, like, you know, I catch my mom making a pie or a cake. Yeah. She is stressed, sweating, <laughs> like the muscles are going. It, it doesn't look easy as pie. It looks tough as cake. Ba- baking is hard, okay? Like, you know, the, the key here, and men, we get away with this because we're the ones who usually seem to go to the barbecue. And it's a heady play because even though meat, there's more pressure because the meat is the center dish. You know, it's the, the, the prime thing going on at the dinner. Meat's easy. Barbecuing is easy. Baking is hard. You try to do a homemade crust, good luck with that. What's the, uh, what's the best pie or cake your, uh, your mom does there, Producer Joe? I'd have to say, okay, it's actually not my mom. It's my girlfriend's mom. Okay. Hands down. So just through your, mo- your mom under, under the, the bus. bus. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry, mom. It is a chocolate, uh, chocolate peanut butter, and Toblerone cheesecake. Oh, my God. That sounds good. Yes. That... Every year, I get it for my birthday. Oh. She's the hands down best baker I've ever seen, and everything she makes fantastic, but that is the crown jewel of her baking abilities. See, I think the Toblerone is overrated. I never liked when Swiss Chalet would give that to you. I'm like, get, get out of here with the Toblerone back in the day. But when you include that with the chocolate, the peanut butter, within the the sphere of a cheesecake, that sounds delicious. Well, here's the thing. It's melted on top, so it's like a nice oh thin layer. God. So it doesn't overpower, and you don't get too much nougat, because that just ruins the consistency yes. of the cheesecake. Agreed. A little new. It's like paprika. A little nougat goes a long way, but too much of it, it just messes with the dish. Before we end on the Bruce Willis sound, just so that uh, for people that are just tuning in, here is William Nylander. Contract negotiations are still going on. He's an RFA. Is it going to be a bridge deal? Is it going to be a long-term deal? Here's what William Nylander had to say. It's going uh, with Kyle. I mean, he wants to take it slow. So, I mean, can ask uh, ask Kyle. That's between uh, my agent and uh, Kyle. I mean, they're talking about it. So, uh, I, I'm not really into that right now. I mean, once it gets closer to the season, I think I'll be uh, more dialed. I mean, it's gonna. Kyle says it's gonna take some time. So, I'm not too stressed about it. With the Kawhi Leonard conversation starting to ebb away for just a little while, there is nothing more important for the Toronto sports fan, even more than what Vlad Guerrero Jr. is going to do. And by the way, he will be getting, he'll be with the Buffalo Bisons tomorrow. So that's going to be a big story. But everything, the biggest story is Nylander, Marner, Matthews, and their contract. We end the show with this. Bruce Willis yesterday, it was the roast for Bruce Willis, and he had this controversial take near the end of the show. Now, please listen very carefully. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's a Bruce Willis movie. I get the humor, I get what you're trying to do there, but I'm sorry, the movie takes place at a holiday party, oh wait, no, a Christmas party, and John McClane was flying in to see his family for the Christmas holidays, there is the great part, now I have a machine gun, ho, 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 early on in the movie, what's the first song you hear? A Christmas tune by Run DMC. What do you hear at the end? A classic Christmas song, Let It Snow. And everything in between, Christmas was sprinkled throughout it. 
We found out early in the show, producer Joe Narsa, who has seen Look Who's Talking 1, 2, and 3, has not seen Die Hard. But here is how our producer, Joe Narsa, here is him with his oversimplified explanation of what is Die Hard. I know that he is in the vents and he is trying to stop somebody from doing something bad. And that is the extent of which I know about this movie. Wonderful answer there by Joe. I can't wait. We got to do this tomorrow. We're going to take a classic. There we are. There we go, everybody. Now, do you know when we hear this? At the end of Die Hard. When, when Mrs. McLean, when Holly and John are getting into the back of Argyle's limousine as they're getting taken away from the Nagataki Tower after they've defeated Hans Gruber and his band of terrorists. It is a Christmas movie. And what a better way to end the show on July 30th. It is 27 degrees. Perfect time for Christmas music. Great job, producer Steve. Joe, nice job over there. Tomorrow we'll get you to describe other classic movies. Yep, coming up on the show tomorrow, it is all about the trade deadline. It's all about Vlad Guerrero Jr. And, of course, it will be about any other updates involving Matthews Marner, or Nylander and their contracts. It is the Scott MacArthur Show coming up next with Andy McNamara. You've been listening to Toronto Today right here on TSN 1050.